Blog Talk Radio. This is the Body of Christ Church. And welcome to Repentance is the Key. Is the key. Relatively close to each other around this time of the year. 
And also, you know, you're going to have a feast of dedication, which will be coming up in a few, about, you know, a few months or so. But we want to deal with some of the feast days of the Lord and how those feast days actually pertain to Christ. So I want to start off in the book of Isaiah, chapter 28, verses 9 and 10, because I kind of have a lot of, you know, bases I want to cover this evening. And, you know, a lot of people try to read this Bible like it's a novel. And some things like, you know, some of the letters of Paul, you can read them as a continual thought, but without reading and taking into account the entire Bible, then it will seem like he would have his own doctrine where, in fact, Paul was dealing with some of the things out of the Old Testament as it pertains to the understanding of Christ. So I want to start in the book of Isaiah, chapter 28, and I'm going to start in verse 9. Let me make sure I got the uh, right scripture here. Isaiah 28 and 9, it says, Whom shall he teach knowledge, and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? So it's asking a question about whom, meaning the Lord, who is he going to teach knowledge of this other Bible? Who is he going to give the knowledge and understanding of these scriptures? Who is he going to make to understand the words that's coming out of this book? It says, them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. That's showing you that just like a baby starts off with the base and simple things, that in order to get the base understanding of the Bible, first of all, we have to acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. And we not only have to do that, but we also have to repent of the sins that we're committing. You know, and that goes into that. I'm going to get into some of that a little bit later on in the show. But it says that what? It says, for precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. So it's showing you that this Bible contains scriptures where you may read something about the prophecy of Jesus Christ about how he was going to come and be an intercessor for the children of Israel. And you see that come to fruition when you see through the Gospels. And then how the Holy Spirit came upon the apostles and they went out and preached the repentance of Jesus Christ throughout the known world. So it's saying that what? That precept must be upon precept and line must be upon line. Here a little and there a little. Because everything that Christ fulfilled was written of and foretold in the Old Testament. Because a lot of people get it twisted. The New Testament wasn't even written when the Lord was walking the face of the earth. None of those things were written. What do you think he was teaching out of? He was teaching out of the old and giving us the understanding as it pertains to our conscience, the way that we're supposed to be keeping the commandments of the Most High. So it says that what? For with stammering lips in another tongue will he speak to this people. So we're going to go throughout the Bible, and we're going to see how these precepts line up and get the full understanding of the scriptures. So what I really want to do is, since I said we want to deal with some of the feast days of the Lord, I'm going to go to the book of Numbers. Actually, I'm sorry, I'm going to the book of Leviticus, the 23rd chapter. And we're going to touch on just some of those feast days. And then we're going to jump into the uh, New Testament. Because part of this class actually stemmed from a conversation I had with a coworker about some of the holidays and everything. So, And they pulled a scripture in the book of Colossians about being judged in meat and drink. So we're going to touch on that this evening also. But this is uh, Leviticus chapter 23, and starting in verse 1. It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them concerning the feast of the Lord, which ye shall proclaim to be holy convocation, even these are my feasts. 
So as we read on, it's going to give you a description of what these feast days are, these high holy days in a sense. So it starts out in verse 3. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest and holy convocation. You shall do no work therein. It is a Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. So the Lord starts out his primary feast day is the weekly Sabbath. It starts from sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. And we know that from reading Genesis, the first chapter. When you go back, it tells you what? And the evening and the morning were the first day. And the evening and the morning were the second day. And the evening and the morning were the third day. So we see that consistent pattern throughout the creation. And then on the fourth day was the sun, the moon, and the stars created. And it says that what? I'm just going to get that just real briefly here. I'm going to the book of Genesis. And this is the first chapter. And I'm going to start in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 13. It says, And the evening and the morning were the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of heaven to divide the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. Because it's by these things in the heavens that we're able to determine what season it is, what day of the week it is, and when these feasts actually come in and what season. So it says what? And let them be for lights in the firmament of heaven to give light upon the earth, and it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also, and God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light unto the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good, and the evening and the morning were the fourth day. So this is how we know why the Lord started off with the Sabbath, because at the end of the creation, he, went, he rested, and he ordained for the children of Israel to do so as well. So going back to the book of Leviticus, back in chapter 23, and I'm going to read verse 4, where it says that what? These are the feasts of the Lord, even holy, holy convocations which you shall proclaim in their seasons. Because as you read in the previous verses above, there were certain ordinances that pertain to the Sabbath. And as I get into a little bit later in the show, you're going to also see there were certain sacrifices that were to be offered on the seventh-day Sabbath. But as you read now in Leviticus, the 23rd chapter, verses five, starting at verse 5, it goes into the Passover and the things and the ordinances pertaining to the Passover. Okay. In verse 23, it goes into the memorial of the blowing of trumpets. Verse 27, it goes into the Day of Atonement. And I'll just read a couple of verses here so it goes into showing you what the seasons are or the times because here it is Passover. This is Leviticus 23 and 5. And the 14th day of the first month at even is the Lord's Passover. On the 15th day of the same month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread unto the Lord. Seven days must ye eat unleavened bread. So when you have the 14th day at dark going into the 15th day, so it's showing you that the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread start at the very same time. And it goes into the things pertaining to ordinances pertaining to the Passover. So I'm going to jump down to verse 27. It says, actually, let me start at verse 23, dealing with the memorial of blowing the trumpets. 
It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, In the seventh month, in the first day of the month, shall ye have a Sabbath, a memorial of blowing of trumpets and holy convocation. Ye shall do no servile work therein, but ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. And this is actually the memorial of blowing the trumpet that actually happens to fall on the new moon because the moon was actually a sign in the heavens that was used to tell when the new month began. And you can read about that in the book of Psalms. There are many other scriptures that go into it, which is why people, the children of Israel, we observe the new moon as a Sabbath. It wasn't just this particular Sabbath. Um, verse 27, also on the 10th day of this month, a day of atonement. So it's going into thing about us keeping the day of atonement. It goes into, as you read down further, it goes into the Feast of Booze or the Feast of Tabernacles or the Feast of Ingathering. The Lord had ordained all of these days. But now, I want to jump to the book of Colossians. Because, you know, part of the whole thing about keeping the feast days of the Lord through the, the honor and the remembrance of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, you know, a lot of our Christian brothers and sisters have been taught that all of these things were done away with. We don't have to observe those things anymore. Okay, Jesus nailed the law to the cross. But a lot of them actually go as far as, you know what? Yeah, Christmas is Jesus' birthday. You know, we should keep Easter. Not even looking at just a simple, the simple basic math of how do you get three days and three nights from so-called Good Friday to Easter Sunday. It's impossible, okay? Where in the Bible do you see anything about our Lord and Savior being born on December 25th, not understanding the history of the so-called modern-day Christian church and where a lot of those doctrines and that dogma comes from. You won't find that in the scriptures, not as it's being kept today. You'll see mention of Christmas in Jeremiah, the 10th chapter, about where those customs come from. You'll see all throughout the scriptures where the Lord told us not to follow the ways of the heathen, meaning the other nations. But not to be shy, sorry. Let's go to the book of Colossians. And I'm going to go to Colossians, the second chapter. And I'm going to start at verse 8. I'm just going to go straight to the point here. Because we're still dealing with some of the, the feast days of the Heavenly Father and how we're supposed to observe those through Jesus Christ and what they mean to us now. Okay, not that they're done away with. Let me get my place here. Here we go. So now we're in the book of Colossians chapter 2, and I'm going to start at verse 8, because this is speaking exactly to the point that we're dealing with. It says, Beware, lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. So this is a letter that Paul was writing to the church in Colossia, and he said, Listen, Keep an eye out because what? People that are going to try to lead you away from the doctrine of Christ and deal with philosophy and deal with vain deceit and traditions of men and even the rudiments of the world. Because when you look at a lot of the customs that we so-called associate as Christian holidays, you don't see those customs in the scriptures. Those are traditions of men, and a lot of those things were rooted in the rudiments of the world. Go back and look up some of the origins of some of these so-called Christian holidays 
before they got indoctrinated or so-called blended in, okay, going into the worship of the sun, going into the worship of other gods and things of that nature. Do some research. But he's warning one of the churches here to, listen, beware of people trying to lead you away from the doctrine of Christ. Because even at that time, also, you had those that were in Israel who were observing the Levitical priesthood and still trying to deal with a lot of the sacrifices and the things that pertained to the ordinances of the temple, standing that one greater than the temple had already come and sealed and fulfilled that first covenant and ushered in and ordained the second with his own blood and his life. And that's who has the preeminence. But let's read on, because he's going to deal with that in verse 9. He says that what? For in him, talking about Jesus Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. So how was he able to say that? Because what? The Lord spoke and said, This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. So it's showing you throughout the New Testament that our Lord and Savior has the preeminence. It was prophesied throughout the entire Old Testament that the ensign that the Lord was going to set up to gather the dispersed of the children of Israel was going to have the preeminence. But let's read on. Verse 11, it says, In whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in the putting off of the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So just to deal, I'm going to touch on that just briefly, because that the whole thing dealing with circumcision, that, that's a, a topic in and of itself. But you had the fleshly circumcision, that covenant was first made with Abraham, and then it was passed down to Isaac, and then from Isaac it was passed down to Jacob. And from Jacob it went to his 12 sons, which they basically became the progenitors of the 12 tribes of the nation of Israel. But you also read in the scriptures, even in the Old Testament, about the circumcision made without hands. And I'm going to touch on that real quick. I'm going to go to the book of Deuteronomy and read chapter 10 and verse 16, just to touch on that very briefly. Because this is just one of many places where you read where the Lord is telling us to circumcise our hearts. Because this whole thing, the whole thing about repentance and the gospel, the true gospel, as it is written, escapes a lot of people. Because Christ was dealing with not only keeping the commandments, but he was also showing us where those commandments were starting to be broken. Where does the sin start? Does it start in the action or does it start in our mind or where? It starts in our mind. That's why he was able to say, he have heard it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, whoso looketh on a woman to lust after her have committed adultery already in his heart. See, the Lord was about us cleansing our mind so that we stop the sin before it manifests in our flesh. The Lord said that what? <laughs> He'd rather have our obedience than the abundance of sacrifices for those sins. So let me read the scripture real quick. I'm in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 10, and that's what I was going to read, verse 16, where it says, actually, I'm going to start at verse 12. It says, And now, Israel, what did the Lord thy God require of thee but to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul, to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command thee this day for thy good. 
So he's asking the question. Listen, what does the Lord require of thee other than to observe all these things for your good? Because when you read in Deuteronomy the twenty eighth chapter, you see what good did not come to us when we broke his commandments. Being cast out of the land and being sold for slaves and bondmen and bondwomen. He said, Listen, the Lord gave us these things for us to keep for our own good, so that this would be our wisdom and understanding in the sight of the nations. But as you can see, it didn't happen. So I'm gonna read on. In verse fourteen, it says, Behold, the heavens and the heaven of heavens is the Lord's thy God, the earth also with all therein all that therein is. Only the Lord had a delight in the in thy fathers to love them, and he chose their seed after them, even you above all people as it is this day. So that's just going right back to what I was speaking about earlier, dealing with the covenant of circumcision that was given to Abraham and passed down to the children of Israel. But here's the point in sixteen. Circumcise, therefore, the foreskin of your heart, and be no more stiff-necked. So, see, this is the circumcision here that that the Lord has always been dealing with. True, indeed, you had that covenant of the fleshly circumcision that all males were supposed to be circumcised, you know, to be able to come into the, uh, the temple, be able to partake of the things of the Lord and the, the feast days and the sacrifices. But the Lord has also dealt with that spiritual circumcision, meaning that what? The same way that we were to cast off that dead foreskin, we're supposed to cast away that stony heart, that rebelliousness and that wickedness from our mind so that we could become a new person and keep the Lord's commandments out of sincerity and not be forced to keep them because, oh, we're going to receive the judgment. So that's the doctrine of repentance that our Lord and Savior is dealing with. So... Let's go back to the book of Colossians. And I'm back in Colossians 2. And I left off here at verse 11, and I'm going to read it again. It says, In whom also ye are circumcised, the circumcision made without hands, and the putting off of the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So it's talking about the same thing. It's talking about repentance, which goes into, you know, another doctrine, the whole thing of the come as ye are. Yeah, you can come as you are, because none of us did anything to, to be worthy of the blessing or the understanding of the scriptures. None of us did anything for the Lord himself to lay down his life so that we would have a chance to repent. But that was the whole thing. When he says to lay off that body of sins by the flesh, that means that once we come into this knowledge and this understanding, we're supposed to begin to put those things off. We're supposed to cast those things away from us. And proof of that is in St. John the 8th chapter When that woman was caught in adultery In the very act And they brought her to the Lord for judgment To see what he would say And people always misquote that scripture He who was that without sin Cast the first stone They want to pull that in a heartbeat Anytime you try to bring out correction Not understanding that there's a difference Between correction and judgment They were bringing that woman to be judged The Lord Jesus Christ Is dealing with the mercy and the correction so that we don't have to receive the judgment when he comes back. See, that's the part that people forget. They believe that, oh, there ain't going to be no judgment. Oh, there's going to be a judgment. But right now is the time for mercy. So he says that what? I'm going to read verse 12. It says, Buried with them in baptism, wherein ye also are risen with them through the faith of the operation of God who hath risen him from the dead. 
and you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. So it's going to show you the same way that he allowed that woman to be forgiven for committing adultery, which was a sin back then, according to the law. 